It's all about bucks, kid. The rest is conversation. Capitalism at its finest. session though i expect to be so angry after i'm done talking to you i just start a protest tonight about something like i want to be so mad court that i make a change tonight after oh. working with you oh wow no pressure on me then thanks honestly i well the last episode i listened to with a bunch of you on vanessa was on Bo was on and i think it was when um those uh the rednecks or whoever they were stormed the cap <laughs> Hey, Darren, you, you should probably do the intro because it sounds like we're hitting the episode already. <laughs> well, it was just, I remember listening to it and Court, you were killing me. You were fucking killing me with the real talk you had. I was dying because Bo would be like, well, you know, blah, blah. you're like, no, they're fucking idiots. Like, and I just loved it. Like I was like, there was, there was very clear, direct, accurate communication coming from you. And I enjoyed it quite a bit. I just don't understand people that don't say what they mean and mean what they say. And I'm not like one of those guys, like the sheriff guy that John C. Ginley played uh, in Stan Against Evil, uh, whatever Stan's last name was. I'm not like him where I'm like, oh, you should always tell the truth as long as the truth doesn't upset <laughs> me in some way, shape or form. <laughs> you know, like, like I, I just, I just say that shit because if I don't, then I'm just going to start making up shit. If I try to sugarcoat things, I just start fucking blatantly lying. And it's it's just like it's a defect. It's like just runs in my family. I'm a tall tale teller. So if I don't just say exactly what I mean and cut myself off, then I start making shit up and that's not good. But I think and as I messaged you before, I really appreciate the fact that you call stuff out because um, not a lot of people have the strength and the maturity to do that. It's it really is a, a trait to call out something that is deviant or that isn't right. A lot of people struggle with it. A lot of people just look the other way and hope it goes away. Um, and you don't. And I think that's a really great characteristic. I do that for my own mental well-being where I, I don't want to agonize or have guilt. Um, I, I know the incident that you're referring to where uh, I was a fellow friend and podcaster yeah. uh, or mutual friend, I should say, and podcaster, um, just kind of a loose affiliation for myself, uh, yeah. exploited a particular political moment with one of those I'm not political but joking yeah. memes and um I I did I posted that I I have unfriended this person and I will no longer work with them because of this. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it I think it yeah, it was and particularly who that person is and I think um how they portray anyway, we won't get into it. It's more gossipy than needed, but I think that <laughs> uh, I think I just think that that's why I messaged you because I was like, yeah man, you right. <laughs> and I think, you know, you and Darren and there's a couple other people have the influence that people listen to you. And do people listen to yeah, you? you do. Who oh, do they? Dude. Yeah, they do, Court. Like you're really well respected. When I got into podcasting, I knew who you and Darren were very early on. Um Wow. Yeah. Cool. Very early on. And and I think that when you have a voice and you use it to advocate for things. I think it, well, 
obviously there are certain things I prefer to be advocated for over others, but um, I think that says a lot because as I said, it's easier to just turn the other way. It, it really is. Um, but yeah. I'm off a clamped. I know I did that purposely. I wanted to make sure I like got y'all like feelings before we started. <laughs> oh, we've and already we started once, maybe once, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Are recording? Oh, he's been recording. He records like right off the bat oh, every time. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't always oh. start the episodes with that, but yeah, I, I start Sometimes I start recording before I press call. Oh, I've got, wow. I've got 10 minutes. I got 10 minutes already. But nice. Do you I need to say, do an intro, though? Oh, He's got well, it. that is the perfect time to do the intro. Welcome <laughs> to another Psycho Semanticast. I am Darren, as always, and with me is finally a combination that has been in the making. Two of my favorite guests together in the same room, so to speak. So uh, let's see. Alphabetically, I've got Court and then Heather. Uh, introduce yourselves or say hello in that order, please. Hello. And unless you're doing last names, um, you, you, you got it wrong if you're doing last names. If you're doing first names, you got it right. Damn it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But we're, H we're goes starting before over. beauty and, and I think nope. I'm older. I'm deleting the tape right now. Uh-oh, you fucked up bad. You know what this is? This is misogyny inherent in the psychosemantic cast. <laughs> That's right. I'm triggered and I need to go like rest in my echo chamber. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> How about most recent guest first is Court and then Heather. Heather, it's been a minute, but we've yeah. obviously been having conversations and uh, as you two said, uh, definitely will the episode will have started by that point. But you were talking about how you were getting to know each other and gaining sort of a, a mutual socio-political kinship that is really cool and nice to counterbalance the horribleness that generally happens when people who are just getting to know each other start talking about politics. <laughs> Yeah, well, this was right around the time of the storming of the Capitol and then just the the presidency that felt like it would never go away and somewhat still hasn't. <laughs> oh, yeah. no, he still hasn't. He's still. Yeah, and I'm I'm burnt. I'm so fucking burnt out by all of it. Like the episode that Heather was referring to that she had heard was right after the January 6th and it was like an inauguration thing and it was. Bo and Vanessa feeling hopeful and like trying to look on the bright side and like, can we just look to a brighter future? And there's me like sitting in the corner, chain smoking like a motherfucker. <laughs> and I don't even smoke cigarettes, like chugging fucking coffee and like throwing back bottles of scotch and every five minutes going, that's fucking artifice. It's fucking bullshit. <laughs> and I was fucking right. So was that the one coup over the cuckoo's nest or is that the checking in with you after... I think it was the one coup after the cuckoo's nest because that was um, Biden's actual inauguration yes. was when we were we, we we had just covered it and we talked about it. And there obviously I mean, this is something that I talk about on my show. Right. When you cover two movies back to back and the first movie is this unbelievably horribly racist, just God awful piece of tripe that you can't believe that you are talking about. And how the fuck did I end up buying this Blu-ray in the first place? Um, not that that has just recently happened to me this week. Mondo Bellardo. Uh, <laughs> but uh, and then immediately after it, you have this. Well, 
it's kind of still racist, but it's a lot more polite about it and at least treats people like human beings, sort of, but like does it in such a way to where it's just heavily coding messages about how the West is better than everything else anyway. And then immediately just goes right into war crimes, like that kind of movie. Oh, wait, no, that's Biden. I'm sorry. I'm confusing my metaphor. <laughs> but actually, what I'm, what I'm fucking talking about is the second thing, the second movie that you review automatically seems better because the first thing was so fucking horrible that everything else before that, you kind of can't remember because you're still trying to process the trauma of the four years of that orange stain that is upon everything, like a bag of Cheetos exploded in a nuclear bomb, like just orange everywhere and awful. And so of course, everybody's going to be hopeful, especially at the inauguration, because we're like, Oh my God, at least it's not Trump. But mm -hmm. I'm here to say that at least it's not Trump is not a good enough metric for your leadership in your nation. The Democrats might find that out in the midterms. Yeah. Um, okay. So I'm over here chain smoking once again. Um, even though I don't smoke cigarettes, I don't know why I'm fucking doing this for your show. I guess it's so my voice is huskier. And um, I, I have very grim predictions about our future, but that's not exactly why we had Heather on specifically. Um, but we'll, well, I guess we'll just kind of get there. I just, I just really wanted to vent and also state once again, because this was the episode that Heather, you know, kind of decided that we had a kinship for the same kind of uh, anger towards uh, human injustice and uh, war crimes being committed by our leaders because yeah. we, sh we share that in common. Um, yes, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, uh, that episode, everything that I said, all the bleak stuff that I said was going to happen, happened. And I remember using the words, this is all fucking artifice about a lot of stuff with the Biden administration. And I feel vindicated. You don't have to go back and grab the shit. And I don't want anybody to go back and compare back and forth. But I'm just saying I feel very vindicated in a lot of my arguments, except for my most specious ones that were that were on there because I was just super pissed. <laughs> like laying the, the deaths of all the Americans by coronavirus at the foot of Joe Biden for not running in the first place immediately after Obama. <laughs> that was kind yeah. of a bit much, I think, even for me. Yeah. I don't, you see, it's interesting, Court. You said something earlier and you said how, you know, you compared the two movies. Like when you, when you watch something that is so deplorable that it makes you sick. And then you watch something and you're like, well, you know, this is bad, but I don't feel nauseous afterwards. And it's so funny because I was walking my dog the other day prepping in my head for this episode. So I was doing some reading about employment laws and stuff like that in Ontario and just information. And I thought, man, like, it's like, Biden's not great. <laughs> like, is he really, but he's not Trump. And because Trump sunk the bar so low as just a human being, if we use that term pretty lightly when we refer to him. Um, yeah. Like what you said made a lot of, and I'm an outsider. Like I am in another country viewing a very, very macro view of American politics because I'm not as invested as you and Darren are because it's not my country, right? Like I got my own shit to worry about where I pay my property taxes and where I vote and, and what's important to me. But even from the outside looking in, I'm like, well, this ain't much better. Like, I don't think, but it, it's, you don't have somebody that's blatantly making over the top racist comments to people. 
You know what I mean? Like, it's not as blatant as it was before. I remember I got into a debate with one of my podcast hosts and he was defending Trump to me. And he said, well, you know, Heather, he 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 made it legal that women can breastfeed in airports. now." I'm like, wow. So a woman can feed her fucking baby in an airport. That's our that's our bar, huh? That's what you consider strong leadership. He's like, well, when you say it like that, <laughs> I'm like, well, that's that's what you're saying, that you're telling me that because now a mother can feed her child, he's a good leader. I think you need to evaluate more of what else is going on in your country right now um, and what you consider for leadership. So I think your comparison court was right on from the outside view that I have. Yet again, I have a very macro view of American politics, and I will be the first to state that. I know a little bit more than most Canadians, but I don't know tons. Um, but from the outside looking in, I think you summed it up perfectly. Darren, just to go back to the movies and political movies talk here, um, just to reiterate what she's saying, I, I would say the best way to learn about the intricacies of how the American government actually functions is to watch Distinguished Gentlemen, and you'll understand everything about the uh, Congress <laughs> and oh, the legislative yeah. branch. Uh, <laughs> to be found on the Psycho-Cinema-Psycho-Cinema-Cinema-Cinema-Cinema-Cinema-Cinema-Cinema-Cinema-Cinema-Cinema-Cinema-Cinema-Cinema-Cinema-Cinema-Cinema-Cinema-
alliterative title yet, but it might come out in in this conversation. And then, yeah, Joe Biden talking about, I mean, he did fulfill his campaign promise of not being Donald Trump. He did do that. Low bar. (laughs) Right. The student loan forgiveness, uh, that, that changed a lot. Betsy DeVos got some fucking dirt on Biden somehow. Somewhere. Uh, well, and also he is the old school. I mean, he was a senator in the 70s when he talks about how awesome it was when Democrats and Republicans worked together. It was when they were doing more Republican Party things like fucking over poor people and doing segregation. And he's, so he's like, yeah, we, we could all do this. See, yeah. Uh, uh, I don't know where he is. Congratulations, America. You cracked open a bush light. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I forget I forget what they called him in the how all the last few presidents have been Ronald Reagan. I think they called uh, Joe Biden a Dixiecrat Ronald Reagan. Anyway, I, yeah, I, I'm sure Canada, much like we're dealing with the uh, the native schools and things, there are a lot of dead bodies buried underneath. Oh, yeah. We, look, so we, we call them indigenous in Canada. So our indigenous people... Um, you know, I, I, I personally myself knew it was bad. I don't think, um, you know, Canadian schools did touch on our, our negative side of history. We've, uh, we prisoned Japanese people during World War II. We took them from their homes and everything they had and threw them in jails. Uh, that happened. We did a whole lot of horrible fucking things to Jewish people. And we had slaves in Canada. I think a lot of Canadians want to pretend we didn't. We did. We got rid of slavery earlier than the United States, but we are definitely no angels. And when it comes to the residential schools, uh, I did a virtual tour during COVID, and it was probably the hardest thing I had to sit through. Um, There was stuff that was discussed that these children uh, were forced to do that is worse than any horror movie I've ever seen. And I think that the segregation of indigenous by white and that's what it is it's colonization um and my ancestors were colonizers i am a white cis female i come from england um i am part indigenous my great-grandfather was a full-blooded mohawk um who married my my great-grandmother um chose to leave the reserve in order to do that but you know my people raped murdered pillaged from this country And this year on Canada Day, uh, which is our celebration four days before Independence Day, despite what some Americans have asked me, no, Independence Day is not our celebration day. It is July 1st is (laughs) Canada Day. Um, My friends and I, we didn't celebrate. What we did instead is we donated to Indigenous groups, um, bought Indigenous items all through last year, and educated ourselves and my friends' kids and talked about what had happened and why it's wrong and why we still have problems, social economic problems that we created in those communities. That is a direct impact of white settlers. So I don't think Canada has made it 100% right. I think there has been some, you know, efforts, but I think we still have a lot of people that are like, well, that happened so long ago. Well, it didn't. We had residential schools up to the, you know, late 80s. So no, (laughs) that's not that long ago. And I think it's, it's, People don't want to be seen as the antagonist. 
We never want to be seen as the bad guy. And I think that that is the toughest thing for people to realize is that we have been and we've had our privilege and we've used our privilege. And now it's up to us to kind of, I want to say bridge the gap, but I don't think it's more, it's more than bridging the gap. It's acknowledging the pain and the suffering and trying to fix and build and help these communities rebuild to what they should be. Um, and I can't say we further, we're further than we were even two years ago, but it's still a long way to go. I don't know where the progress is in the States, if you guys are making the same progress or what your situation is, because I've been too wrapped up in being upset with my, my own country is done. So <laughs> to be honest. They, they are still doing the investigation of the residential schools. However, America does have its first indigenous secretary in charge of the Department of Indian Affairs. That's a good start, uh, I hopefully, guess. <laughs> hopefully. I mean, I know I know there are some tribes uh, that aligned themselves with the last administration, much to the chagrin of their fellow community members. Uh, I know there was a ridiculous thing at, fuck, what was Mount Rushmore's original name was something like the the five fathers or something like that. And it was on sacred tribe, uh, tribal land before mm-hmm. it got taken. And they put those guys faces on it. I Colonization. Yeah. <laughs> that one they, hurts when you learn that, right? that it was, that it was a sacred indigenous people site that we defaced with the people that came and slaughtered them's faces. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and even doing that, knowing that its initial name was something about the, fathers uh, in a different way in a more sacred way and yeah it's what lincoln washington roosevelt who did strike breaking in his day and allowed the pinkertons to kill striking workers and uh luckily fdr is not on there the roosevelt i was talking about is teddy but fdr i mean he had george takei in an internment camp during world war ii so yeah, a lot of a lot of surprisingly, North America shares a lot of similar atrocities. Uh, <laughs> well, I absolutely, and I think if we, you know, not to branch it right dramatically into employment, but if we look at employment and capitalism, the people that ran it were rich white guys. Like if, if we're looking through history, it is rich white men, and ironically, it's still rich white men. Um, that that continue to right that continue to bridge this gap and. You know, capitalism, I know Cord and I got into a discussion. He was sharing a lot about his industry and what he's experiencing in the States. And yet again, everyone's experience is different. And even through my very, very, um, you know, one example of my conversations with Scott, who's my co-host from Friday Nightmares, learning about the employment laws in Michigan have floored me, like completely fucking floored me on how... I, and I don't think Canada is perfect. Let me make something very clear, the province of Ontario. But I am shocked at how people are paid, how they're treated. And don't I don't want to go down the health benefit road too much here, but when you have people wondering if they can afford to see a fucking doctor or not, I don't understand how people can look at that system and go, oh, man, no, this is cool. Um, but, yeah, it, it, you know, if we go all the way back to where slavery – colonization, it's rich white men. <laughs> Not much has changed. And I think that that's something that people 
have become so accustomed to. And also when you're in living in poverty and paycheck to paycheck, you don't have the energy or the means or the education to look at a different way. Like I watch you in court constantly try to educate and inform and people aren't getting it. And I don't think it's because they're not intelligent. I think they're afraid because if that's, if this system doesn't work, well, what else is there? And I don't know what else to do. And I think people get overwhelmed. Oh yeah. There are many moment moments of panic. Just think of the thing. I've uh, been blessed with the somewhat resolve to most often stop checking uh, my news feeds and uh, other reporters and stuff that I check on throughout the day by about midnight or one because Dixiecrat Reagan or what, what did you call him court? Bush, Bush light. light. Uh, <laughs> you know, Bush light is, is much less likely again, low bar to be up at three 30 in the morning, rage tweeting, starting a war with somebody. But again, that was enough for a lot of people. And yeah. that sucks because I noticed immediately after pretty much immediately after I, I it was more like after the inauguration because of course there was all that weirdness after the election where anything could happen there could still be a takeover of the government michael flynn's running around doing weird shit uh a lot of people check back out and i'm yeah. i'm I, i'm not saying that people are going to check back in after their mental health moments or whatever because there was a lot of deep sighs of relief from a lot of people in some way, but it's yeah. Getting back into labor and what you were saying, Heather, that is one of the reasons I think you said you didn't want to get too much into the healthcare aspect of it, but that is one of the reasons why I think America is still pretty far behind Canada when it comes to workers' rights, because if you, uh, well, Kellogg, had announced that they were going to permanently replace the, the uh, 1,400 striking workers who went on strike after months and months and months of seven-day weeks, 12-hour days, which, I mean, one of the earliest strikes was striking for a 10-hour workday uh, way back in the day. And mm -hmm. now was, they went on strike for that. They announced that they were going to permanently replace the striking workers with scabs. And there was some uh, public pushback, which was cool. And then they, they got brought back to the table uh, mo most recently as of recording this episode. They offered a 3% wage increase when they made record profits, of course. And then the worker said, no, that's not good enough. So they said, oh, OK, well, we are going to permanently replace you. So that is 1,400 people. I don't know how long it goes because they, uh, the contracts and everything and the termination of that, I don't know how long their health care will last if they have any left. But everyone in America, in the United States, because North America, I do the United States thing of just saying this is America, even though. Yeah, anyway, sorry. I had a lot of coffee today. Uh, <laughs> their health care is linked to their job. 
And that is an easy way to crush dissent. That is an easy way to do all these fucking right to work laws and employ at will laws where you can fire anybody as long as it doesn't violate their civil rights or some shit. And the right to work is even worse. You can't go on strike. You can't protest in all the other political arenas. You can't go protest for a week because the police are shooting reporters in the streets and beating up undercover cops because they're black or any other of the fucking terrible things that are going on. Because if you're lucky enough to have health care in America, it is linked to your job. Only if you're a, a retired congressperson who gets health care for life, funnily enough. It's, yeah, I, I, I wasn't sure which way we were going to go uh, first, but yeah, health care is a big fucking thing in the States. Yeah. You can know, I, can I jump in here sorry, real quick? Of course. Yeah. I've been, I've been letting you guys both go because you're so articulate and just kind of getting to the root of the problems on both sides really, really well. And I'm just kind of the angry, pissed off interloper here, smoking <laughs> cigarettes in the fucking corner. <laughs> And just fucking waiting. Now, what we really need to talk about here is the nature of capitalism that is the exact problem for workers mm. and and why that exists. You, as a worker, have the right to the value that you create when you when you work. They are paying for the thing that you create. The invention of the hourly wage was so that they could cap the value of your work. Before that, you were forced to work, and if you were lucky, you got fed because you Mm -hmm. were dragged here to this country and forced to fucking work as a slave. That's how the capitalists made their money. And then they did the exact same thing with their workers, but what they did was they gave them just enough to make them happy and think they were in control and allowed them to lord over and punish and disparage people that were that were the slaves that they were in control of as well. Like, that's where your farmhands and all of these other guys that were the masters in the fields and shit like that that didn't get paid shit, but the guy that owned the big giant fucking mansion had all the fucking money because he's raking it in. And yeah, he's got to shell out a little bit here and there, but, and I'm saying he, because it was rich fucking white dudes that did Mm -hmm. this. Um, So whenever those systems got taken from them, they fought a fucking war over it because good Lord, my revenue, that's literally what that was. It had nothing to do for their side that, or, or care of people at all, because even the people that they were forced to pay because they were the right color and therefore deserved pay in their racist minds were being exploited and treated like shit. And they didn't care about them either. They were just using the ends to the means for them. They just paid them because they fucking had to. And that's the, that's the basis of this discussion. As far as you as a worker goes, what can they get out of you for the littlest amount possible back in return for the value of what you create? Absolutely. And I think, Court, what you're really hitting on, too, is that we give power to capitalism and currency. Like, currency wasn't here when we all showed up and like, oh, fuck, here's currency. Just showed up out of nowhere. Like, we created that system. And who, when we say we, exactly how you illustrated it. And I think the tie to what Darren's saying with the healthcare, it's just another carrot in the United States because 
it's a capitalist healthcare system in the United States. It's a socialist system in Canada. And I think that's the biggest difference. No one is denied health care if you are a permanent resident or or even a refugee or a Canadian citizen. You can walk into a hospital at any point. I've had appendix surgeries. I've almost died in the hospital from some other health issues. I've had my tonsils out, never seen a bill. Doesn't even come to my mind. I can go to the doctor, employed or not. Um, as a female, I can get birth control, employed or not. I can get an abortion, employed or not. And it doesn't matter. I can go and get that service. It is not controlled by employment and what my value is that I can contribute. Healthcare is a right, not a privilege in Canada. And I think when people hear that in the United States, the, the thing I hear back, and this is from lower class and kind of what you said, Court, with the controlling, oh, I'm going to have to pay more taxes. Oh, I'm going to, they told me I have to pay more taxes. I want to explain everything to the Americans that are listening right now. So please listen closely here. The people that pay the most taxes make the most money. That's why a lot of millionaires leave Canada and they go live in the fucking United States. Because if you live here and you make a lot of money, so over, you know, 100K, 150K. And by the way, if you make over 100K in Canada and, and you're a public service employee, you're on something called the sunshine list, which means anybody can look up and see what your salary is. So you get you are paid more money and you are paid more taxes. People who make less money don't pay more taxes. That's not how it works. As I moved up working from not-for-profit to university, I've had to pay more and more taxes as I make more money. That's just how it works. And I don't even think twice about that. I couldn't even tell you the amount of money that goes towards healthcare, but I can tell you that I've definitely used more than I paid. And what is happening is, as Court eloquently talked about, this is another form of suppression through capitalism in the United States. We are scaring low-income people that they are going to have to pay more taxes and won't meet this bullshit American dream, which I hate. If there's anything I could remove from fucking vocabulary, it is the American dream. I think it's fucking horseshit. And we're scaring them to believe that, no, 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 if you keep working harder or the grind or working three jobs or whatever it is, like you have to keep doing what you're doing for minimal pay for enough to make me to, so I can have enough money. You stay down here. You'll keep getting what I give you. Instead of looking at it and going, gee, um, maybe we should just all pay a little bit in and make people who make more money pay more so we all get health care. That's socialism. <laughs> We're not doing that. That's socialism. Right? And it's and I and I get that pushback. And then when I explain, I'm like, okay, do you have a deductible? They're like, well, yeah. I'm like, so what's the fucking difference? Like, tell me now what the fucking difference is. I can't tell you how much I pay in my taxes because it's rolled in with like the 150 bucks that comes off my paycheck for a bunch of other shit, including education and this and that and the other thing. So explain to me how this makes any sense that people should have to make a choice. And I think the one example that I'll give, it's a funny little story. So my buddy married a chick from Michigan and she came up here and we're all sitting around and we made a joke about him hurting herself and himself. And she's like, yeah, I, you know, we couldn't afford the healthcare bills. And we stared at her because we didn't get it. Because that's not a thing up here. Because if you fucking hurt yourself, you go to the goddamn hospital, you get treated, and you get released. And you know what? If you can't afford a medication and you're under the age of 18, the government pays for it. And if you're in the hospital and they release you and you can't afford a med medication, let me assure you they will find a way to make sure you get your drugs. That is how it works here. 
And I think that that, to me, is the biggest thing, as both of you said, it's a form of control. It's a form of capitalism used in healthcare and used to suppress. And I think you highlighted it both really well. And I looked it up. Uh, you said you don't really notice because not it's just among the other things yeah. taken out. Yeah. yeah. In, in 2020 in America, this is averaged out, of course. But it, it was uh, the average healthcare health insurance cost. That's not even the shit you got to pay from the other stuff. Just to maintain health insurance, the average cost was four hundred and fifty-six dollars for one person, and one thousand one hundred and fifty-two dollars per family per month. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. So that's, you know, what, 15 or, you know, 13 or $14,000 for a family just for insurance, not not counting prescription prescription drug prices. It's yeah, the for profit medical industry, which really took off. Speaking of Reagan, you know, really took off around then. But I mean, that is also why some. I would say less than quality union organizers have worked against not most unions. I don't think are involved in this, but there have been some union organizers joining the fight against universal health care in America because that is one of the key arguing points or enticements of joining a union in America is the guaranteed health care. But then that is barely the I think the only union that hasn't been constantly weakened by the conservative governments in the United States have been police unions. And they're a fraternity. They're not even a real union. <laughs> fraternity is a good term to describe. Yeah. It, yeah. I think that's a very fair Fair statement. And I just, I'm actually going to disclose what my income is. I think it's important. I make about $75,000 a year and I work at a university. I, I get pension taken off. Like to give you an idea, I get pension taken off. I get a meaningful tax amount comparably to what you're talking about monthly. And I do work in a, I am in a higher tax bracket. For someone who's making 40000 a year, 45000 a year or less, they're paying even less than that. Plus, if you have children, uh, you get a child tax benefit here in Canada. You get an Ontario one and then you get a federal one and it's on your income. The less money you make, the more money you get from the government to help you with basic care for your child. Plus, you can apply for pharmaceutical um, benefits. And eventually we're pushing for universal dental care. I don't know if we'll see that in the next five to 10 years, but that's something that our NDP government really wants, which definitely the Americans would think is basically Marxism. Um, <laughs> so... Yeah, there was serious uh, opposition to adding dental and vision care to Medicare, which covers you know people in their 60s and over. And mental health care, that's not covered under most uh, health insurances either, I don't think. And as you and Court said, it's a form of control. Like Court, Court took the most simplest explanation of capitalism with basically serfs and lords. <laughs> Explained it perfectly, and it's and it and it's evolved and it's basically put a bow tie on poo, but it's still poo, and. 
you know, you know, as as someone who is middle class or considered middle class in Canada, um, I am not struggling like other people would be. And but and I feel like the lack of what people in the middle class get, if everybody does economically better, if we have better education, if we have better health benefits, better pay, society benefits, we all benefits, but people are so afraid of things being taken away from them. And and this court talked about it, and you talked about it, that's the essence of control that's been fed to us and still being fed. Like look at Amazon and Amazon up in here in Canada. I don't think I think they have to follow Canadian rules, which is a little bit different. There's certain shit they can't get away with that they probably get away with in the States and they're not going to get away with here. I've learned that through um, Scott letting me know people that work retail in the United States compared to retail here could be the same corporation. Different rules apply in Canada than they do <laughs> to the American corporations down there. Right. So there is some some differences. But, yeah, it's really it's really fascinating. Like, I didn't know like you guys don't get that much time off like i had no idea that there wasn't like we have six or seven stat holidays in canada that people are paid for oh. like you're paid and you're off like you have to work on boxing day and it like you know christmas day for example i've worked christmas day at the ymca um when i was younger and that's a gym but it also is a not-for-profit i was paid double time and a half so I was making bank at 21 years old because I was like, this is sick. But that's what, if you're open on Christmas Day, you have to A, get approval to be open. You have to justify your reason why I'm saying it's a charity organization. That's why or gas station. You're paid accordingly. Like that's employment standards. If you have to work, you're paid more on a stat holiday and a lot more. And it, it like I thought, like you guys have, um, is it Memorial Day? That's That's in May? Yes. Like that's your stat holiday. So we have Victoria Day, which is a stat holiday here that people get paid for. Like everyone seems to work on Memorial Day in the United States. I thought it was a stat holiday. <laughs> like it, it blows my mind. I don't think well, there are any days where everyone is guaranteed a day off. Yeah. If it's a federal holiday, all they have to do is pay you like time and a half. That's it, huh? Yeah. But they can <laughs> oh, still wow. they can they can still require you to work. Yeah, see, it's not. No, actually, I think I think it's actually um, it depends upon the. I think it might depend upon the state, but um, I know where I live. When I worked customer service, inbound phone calls for uh, tech support and shit, I was forced to work on holidays, but they paid us double time for the holidays. See, that's crazy because here, like gas stations some food places on Christmas day, but you have to basically be given permission before the government, you like people would go around by law. And if you were open and there was no reason for you to be open, you were told to close and give your employees a day off. Can, like it's, it's very different, right? Well, I, I think the main reason why the, the, the laws are so significantly different because it seems to me that they don't allow lobbying in Canada because you can buy votes by literally paying your senator and donations to their campaign funds and shit, which they basically get to keep. And figure I, I'm out a sure way to there keep. is stuff that goes on here. I'm I'm sure. Yeah, but, but they, think... they do this out in the open. It's completely oh, yeah. legal and it's all it's encouraged okay. and this is how it works. It's ingrained in the system. That's why I said distinguished gentleman is like this. It's literally purchased laws. Wow. The way our government is set up is for rich landowning and in the initial terms, preferably white, preferably male in the initial idea, 
to be in control and own everything. And what has ended up happening is that these fortunes have just been grown out of the misery and off of the backs of other people, whether it was forced labor or uh, the type of labor that we experience now, which is all of the laws are literally stacked up against us to where we cannot basically, in my state specifically, I'm a right to work state. So my boss can fire me for any fucking reason at all and doesn't even have to give me a reason and can just let me go without notice. But I'm required, although it's not necessarily required legally, it's just they expect a two-week notice if you are leaving that company. They want at least a two-week notice so they can find somebody else. So, Court, if you get I'm fired fine. tomorrow, would you be paid out? So, for example, would they be like, well, you worked here for, I don't know, five years, so we have to pay you out a specific sum of money? I don't know how the legality of that okay. works, but uh, there are places where I have been let go without any notification and they basically said yeah your last checks at unemployment um wow. I've, ha I've had places like that where i've been let go now i i've only really been let go a handful of times um from from places like at most like and i've been working oh there's another thing i we start working much much earlier i'm sure here in this in this nation i started working for family because the laws in my state allowed it when i was like 13 or 12 and I had to work for family and I was working on a farm. Yeah, we do have farm. People do work farms younger here for sure. Um, I can't speak to that. Um, but we have regulations in where you can work. So at 14, you can work at like a fast food joint or something like that. And then at 16, I think there's other roles you can do. You can only work in a restaurant at a certain age. Um, and, you know, I don't know my experience working as a young person was always very accommodating to education and, you know, same with my friends, never had shitty employers that made you work really shitty shifts. Like McDonald's here is actually one of a good employer for young people because they tend to be very accommodating to students, high school schedules and study schedules and stuff like that. Um, of course, in my, you know, experience that I have in my friend's experience in working, but yeah, I, I, 12-year-olds <laughs> working for family can still be very intense. <laughs> and, and I don't know what your guys' pay is as well. Like, I don't know um, how that system works. I think the thing that floors me the most as a female is you guys don't have maternity leave. Like, we oh, have well. up to 18 months of maternity leave that a woman can take, job guaranteed to go back to, 70% of your pay. And at my place of work, you get top-up which means if I was to get pregnant and go on mat leave, they would pay the other 30%. So I'd be making full salary um, during the time that I'm off with my child. And I could split that with my male partner or female partner, whoever I'm heterosexual. So my male partner, but if I was you know, not heterosexual, female or whoever, um, you could split that time with. And I, I think it's crazy. Women have to go back after what, six weeks? Is that what it is there? Something, if, something like that, depending that. on the job. Yeah. That's insane. Oh, yeah. let, me, Amanda let me give you a had, break. Oh, sorry, Amanda had some vacation days and maternity leave at her job. I had like a week where I could not get fired for not coming to work, but not get paid. And I had been at that job for a few years and I didn't have any vacation days uh, when, when Danzig was born. Court, you have something to say? Yeah, I worked at... Um an audio 
uh, equipment manufacturer that, that goes like it's stuff that goes in buses here in town in Omaha. I'm not going to name them, but I'm still going to shame them because people that know me and know Omaha will know automatically who that place is anyway. But uh, there was a worker that was there who was pregnant, um, wasn't showing signs whenever she got hired, but it quickly became apparent as time rolled on. They kept her there up until about the time she was about to give birth and working. Um, I don't know if she was full time in the aspect that she was direct hired and had the insurance or not yet. But so the company didn't have to at least pay maternity leave and then possibly have to deal with putting the bill because they were one of those like self-insurance type things where they paid a certain amount um, to cover the gap for insurance and then tried to keep us from, you know, using that in any way, shape or form. Uh, But basically right up about until she's expected to give birth. Like, I mean, they basically had a shower party for her at the factory. And then the next week she was let go. They fired her because the insurance and yeah. And then everything else like, right. Like, 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 I don't want to be like super overdramatic about it, but it seemed like she was going into labor and they're like, by the way, you're fired. Like it was like that close to me is is how it felt. Fucking crazy to me. And that's just, that's just, that's just one of the many horror stories that I have seen that necessarily has not happened to me because let's remember, I live in a somewhat privileged little bit of a bubble. So I'm not making this about what I experienced and what shit I've gone through as a worker. I mean, that's, that's not me. That's, you know, I've had this protective little cis white male fucking bubble all around me here you know, like my entire life. And I, I totally fucking acknowledge that, but I'm not blind and I've seen mm-hmm. what has happened to other people. And, and I also, yes, I'm, I'm outraged at the fact that, I mean, the reason that I'm at the employer that I am currently at for the length of time that I'm currently at there is because the healthcare options for me are just right. It's, it's just exactly what I need to make sure that like, cause I'm the one that has to make sure that we have insurance. Cause I have to keep the steady job. That's just how it works. And if I don't have a job, then we don't have insurance. Um, and that's a lot of fucking pressure. So a place that I know where I can handle everything that comes my way pretty much with the same swagger and bravado that I podcast with. Um, I've been told that's how I'd handle it and I'm fine. You know, that that's cool. But, uh, I stay there even though it's not challenging to me, it's boring fucking work. And I really hate a lot of what I do because by the way, my job is to automate other people out of jobs. That is now what I do. Wow. <laughs> I have found a way to automate processes that used to be handled by human eyes and only get looked at in human eyes whenever an error is reported by a customer. Okay. Capitalism <laughs> at its finest, right, Court? Right. right. <laughs> um, so I literally, for a living, my work is to figure out how to make sure other people no longer can work by making a way to make an automated system do it for them, or in some cases, just writing a software that mimics everything that that person would do. And I'm really good at it, and I fucking hate that I am. (laughs) But you have to do it. As you said, you made a point there. I'm the only insurance provider. Now, you know, benefits in Canada means, you know, physio and dental and stuff like that. So immediate medical care. And of course, there's, you know, support for medicines that you may need and a lot of other stuff that I'm not going into. But for someone like me, um, 
you know, I, if I lost my job, I'd be like, fuck, there goes my dental. That sucks. I'm going to have to either, you know, sign on to a plan or do something else to get that dental until we make universal dental care in Canada a thing, then that won't matter either. But for you to be like, I'm the only benefit provider, that's a lot of pressure because that's everything. Like if you or your, your, your wife gets sick, it's all on you. I can't imagine what that feels like. And it, and it creates, as you said, I don't love my job. It's something that I do. And it sounds like ethically for you, it's a challenge for you as well, but you're like, but I got to make fucking money and I hate this fucking system. And here I am. And I think that really, really kind of like amplifies what we're talking about here that you and I and Darren aren't being like, Oh, look how great our lives are. Everything's wonderful. We're acknowledging there's a problem within the system. And this is why um, I think it's well, a really good example. The, the definitely the reason that I stay where I'm at and I continue to automate people out of their jobs. And I'm not saying the type of industry, although people know me, know what type of industry I work in. So, I mean, like the kind of people that are, fuck it, I work in the banking industry, so I'm automating tellers and bankers out of jobs. Mm. <laughs> like mm. I'm currently working on making a loan officer not even fucking necessary at, at, at certain places. Wow. Wow. <laughs> that's, a, that's a big thing because loans typically you need you do have someone process it so that's really interesting yeah but for key certain things and and uh, okay i don't want to go into it too much because there is some proprietary stuff that i can actually yep. be can actually be actionable for me to talk about and uh, i just want everybody to, out there that's listening to the sound of my voice yeah i'm a guy that writes banking software so um yeah be worried about how capitalism has put people in places that they don't belong <laughs> uh, like oh, okay i just i want to do a little bit of an exercise it, when i i'm picking a capitalism and i know everybody's going to get like all kind of like oh fuck fucking socialist goddamn fucking what shit like socialism? i mean like not is not the people generally angry? listening to this show though so there's this that right it's an echo chamber echo chamber and i'm happy to be in this echo chamber hashtag blessed um, but what, but, but what is oh. the problem with socialism? Like, what am I not getting? I know uh, that you okay. don't think it's a problem, but I don't understand what other people are afraid of. I'm going to try and sum this up as best as I possibly can. All right. So rich people own everything in America and have always, always have. We've already set that up. Now, there's a certain level of education that people were starting to get with civics and, um, they started getting a little too active in about the 60s or so and like workers rights and everything and, and civil rights and all of this stuff. And people were educated in new stuff and how the government worked and they were actually starting to get change to take place and radical change for the time that scared the living shit out of everybody that was rich and white. So mm. they doubled down. And they decided to start controlling media centers and all of this other kind of stuff. So they started buying all of this stuff and doing all this conglomeration. And about the time with the 70s when Biden was working with the Republicans to do all this stuff and unwind all these worker works rights and all of this kind of stuff and start to bring down our education and start to dumb down the populace and make sure that all of these people that were socially active and like were really concerned about fighting for their rights are starting to get distracted by other things. So that's when the me stuff starts coming in. We have mega malls in the 70s and disco and fucking right. cocaine. There is okay. no goddamn coincidence that that shit 
happened where everybody started going into debt and started buying all of this kind of stuff. It was just another way for them to clamp around so that the folks that already had the money could start pushing and suppressing. So people are getting dumber. They're getting further into debt. They're getting more desperate. Their rights are getting unraveled. Their health care is slowly being unraveled for them as well. And everybody is starting to realize that, you know what? We can charge whatever the fuck we want for whatever the fuck we want. And then the 80s kick in. And it's just fucking skyrocketed from there. There's been moments where things seem to kind of peel back and get a little bit better. But basically, everything just gets unraveled to the point where we are at the right to work state, where literally anyone could be fired for no reason at all, with no provocation and no notification and no justification. And usually you don't even have to get a payout and they don't even have to. Uh, give a severance pay or anything like that. I don't know what all the legality is for it, but I promise you the fucking Republicans and the goddamn libertarians in my state have whittled it down to if you were actually paid severance or required severance for some kind of legal reason for firing someone, they've made it as close to null and void as possible because that's just too much for someone who creates wow. so much wealth and employment in the state. I promise you, I can say that it, if, if it's not nothing, it's next to nothing for whatever that protection actually is. Uh, the unemployment in this state is a goddamn joke for the, exactly the same reason. They want to make sure that you are desperate because if you are desperate, you are too busy to educate yourself and do all the other things that you can actually do to fight back and fight these fucking assholes. And they continue to do this. They continue to make it worse. They continue to add into distractions and everything like that. I mean, social media is just the next level or the next way that they are actually doing that because Zuckerberg sure as fuck wants to make sure that your timeline doesn't have anything that's going to make you question about monopolies or let's just say uh, too many people owning too much goddamn stuff all over the place. Yeah. Let's talk AT&T being broken up into regional bell companies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, yep. antitrust yep. shit. They don't want anybody to know any of that kind of stuff. And so all of these things just keep getting suppressed and keep getting pushed away in the name of capitalism, in the name of progress, in the name of American exceptionalism. Because really, American exceptionalism is, no, capitalism works seriously. We are making it work. That's, that's, the, that's the fucking coding that they're trying to do here. And it yeah. used to be for like justification of slavery. Now it's for justification of worker exploitation to the point where CEOs make 351 times what their base salary is for a company yeah. or something along those lines. I don't know exactly what that number is. It's probably even more outrageous than what I'm saying. And I'm an exaggerating motherfucking asshole, <laughs> especially when I'm worked up like I am right now. Like this entire system of government has been set up from day one to put the favor in the hands of the exploitative capitalist motherfucker who didn't want to pay taxes. If you don't think that's the case, you need to see what the Boston Tea Party was all about. Well said, very well said. And and I will say that Canada, is ha we have capitalism, obviously. We have poverty, obviously. I think the difference when I look at our two countries is one, a regulated education system. All provinces must report to the federal government in terms of what is an education. Education is standard across this province. Actually, across Canada, there will be some things that are different. 
um, depending, you know, culturally, what may be more cultural focused studies, for example, a French focus may happen more in a Quebec school, as opposed to a school in Newfoundland, just because you're not using the French language as commonly in those, you know, in Newfoundland compared to Quebec. But education is standard. It is there's a standard. And what I learned about the states is education is a fucking wild, wild west. <laughs> Every state can do what they want. Every county can do what they want. And I had a buddy that got hired to teach Spanish when he can't even teach Spanish. He applied to teach math and they were like, well, you can teach Spanish. And he's like, but I, but I can't teach Spanish. I can teach math. They're like, ah, it doesn't matter. Are you fucking kidding me? It doesn't matter. It does matter. And people can be like, well, that's just Spanish. But that's not the point. The point is that when you don't, as you said, Court, when you have a lack of education and you suppress people, it's the best way to control anybody. It, which is ironic because some you have some of the brightest universities out there, like Harvard, and there's other schools that are extremely bright, but we all know who's going there and we all know who's getting in. So I I think the difference with Canada is yet again, we do have a capitalist, you know, world. We do have people that make a lot more money in Canada and people that don't make as much. Now, the real big millionaires, though, they don't fucking stay here, they move to the United States. But I do have a little bit of a quick story to tell. Um, I have a friend who works for a company and this company just wasn't following Ontario labor laws and they got caught and the Ontario <laughs> worker working health people came in like, you can't do this. You can't do that. You can't do this. And they shut them down. They shut down machinery. They told them they had to treat their employees differently and they came back and they find them and they came back and they checked. And this company wasn't giving their employees pay raises. They kept paying them the same amount. And company, employees kept leaving because in Canada, you can get paid more. There's companies that do daily in, or yearly increases every year and pay you more and more as cost of living or performance. So this company gave pay raises. You know who runs this company? Two Americans. <laughs> and when they explained this to me, I said, that sounds like the American mentality. They would throw, literally, they would throw pizza parties, but not get pay raises. They would not want to follow rules. And here in Ontario, we don't fuck around. We have workers' rights and safeties. And guess what? A couple of the workers called and the fucking health and safety board shut up, showed up and fined them and shut them down and said, you got to change this. And if you don't, you will be in trouble, not your workers. And we will take money from you, not them. And I think to me, that is the difference. I still think capitalism is a problem in Canada. I We have divisions of poverty in this country that are unexcusable. But we do have some laws and some shit that does prevent people from being complete assholes. That does have some kind of level of checks and, and, and balances. And I guess you could consider that socialism. And that's the difference. When you don't let capitalism run everything. Because capitalism still runs a lot. Capitalism is still very much gold in, in Canada, but there's a socialist check that comes to certain things like people's health and safety and health care, for example, and education, you know, I, that's not run by that. I, uh, I, I, I kind of got sidetracked and we got on to something else, but what I was kind of getting at with that rant about how these systems of control, now they stopped the education and in Reagan's era, they started repealing laws for um, the news and making it to where a news point of view could actually swing to a political direction. There was actually a law to protect the public so that if it was a source that was supposed to be considered news, it had to be fair and balanced. 
as in it couldn't swing either side. It just had to report the facts, that kind of thing. It couldn't editorialize other than obviously an editorial page that's saying I'm editorialized. And once that was removed, that paved the way for 24-hour news cycle TV. So now we enter in Rupert Murdoch. And what Rupert (laughs) Murdoch ends up doing, (laughs) what Rupert Murdoch and those fuckers end up doing with this 24-hour news cycle is creating a nonstop propaganda party-line voice directly from the GOP and libertarians and, fuck, probably even the Cokes. The Cokes are probably, like, deep in with this shit too because they fuck with everything they buy off all of these goddamn fucking politicians so that they can get the laws enacted or repealed in ways that they just basically pushing the envelope buying off judges and federal and all the other parts of the various systems and just basically creating lists so that things can be set in the way that they see fit uh so now we have uneducated people that are deep in debt dying for healthcare because it's tied deeply to their jobs, hoping that they can keep the job and just become subservient and literally at the point where they really have to do whatever the boss says and they are so goddamn desperate. It's almost like they don't have any choice at all but to try and keep this job by any means necessary, unless they can find another one, and let's hope that they can. Uh, And now we have news telling them the reason this is is not because of the owner of the company. It's not because of the people that own the owner of the company's company. It's not because of all the way up to the top of the government of the people that are being paid off by the owner of the company and the other people that own this company's company and all of these other giant fucking conglomerates and industrialized nations. I mean, that's the way they dealt with slavery, right? Industrialization was once slavery went away, they had to find a worker that could do something efficiently and not be paid. That's where industrialization and mechanization mm-hmm. came from. Uh, that's the okay. I'm, I'm on the news in the '80s here, though. Goddamn it! I got to quit going back and digressing. Uh, but that's that that news cycle, and then all of the me generation shit that was going on with the '80s, and then the yuppies, and then just bye 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 everything. You know, like things are way more important than people, and we could become so disconnected. And that I believe again is by design that we're all disconnected, so we don't care about us about each other because apes together strong and they want to keep everybody separate and they're really doing a, they were doing a really good job of alienating people even with social media even though it's supposed to bring everybody together it actually shows that it makes you feel more alone and and kind of desperate at times from using it and now we're at the the boiling point where there's this strange kind of bubble where this all of these systems of control that they put into place to suppress everybody and just keep them from being able to, um, you know, basically educate themselves or look for a better world or understand their environment or what's happening to them a little bit better and just basically have time to look up and go, hey, wait a minute, fuck this. Like the thing that everybody has to do, that that moment where you look up in the cave and you see the light reflecting on the wall and you realize there's something outside of the cave. You know, that that kind of idea where you're like, holy shit, I don't have to toil like this for no fucking reason. Mm-hmm. I, I love what you're saying, Court. I love it. And I actually I know there was a point that you didn't mean to go off on. But like the Industrial Revolution and the, and the slavery piece, fucking brilliant. I think a lot of people don't put those two things together. And I think and if I may, and this is not a criticism of you two, but I think the biggest problem with Americans is Americans only look at America. There are many, many countries in this fucking world that have capitalism. 
there is it's one right design. next door, right? I know. And it nothing makes me angrier than when I answer stupid questions about Canada to Americans. It actually, like Scott's learned now, like he'll know. We'll be on a call and someone will ask me something that I think is absolutely unacceptable that they don't know what they're asking, like that they're asking me that question. And I really have to, I've had to learn to control my responses um, because I, there would be so much value to be had if someone just stopped and said, well, how do they do this in Britain? Or how do they do this in Canada? And especially Canada, because we're so fucking goddamn similar. Like you will cross the border from Buffalo to Niagara Falls. And let me assure everybody who's listening, it's not a big cultural shock, okay? Like you're going to see similar chains. You're going to see similar things. People are going to be talking the same. There is, there's a lot of similarities that we have, but there's a lot of underlining differences to how our societies are structured. And why not look to be like, oh, you know, healthcare works in Canada, or maybe it doesn't work in Canada. Why don't I actually look at it and see if it makes sense? And I understand that, you know, through social media, we we search things, we see what we want to see. I, I totally agree with your point, Court. And maybe this is for just me, my angry moment of frustration of why not look outside your fucking goddamn country and stop being so egocentric to think that everything starts and begins with you. It doesn't. There are many other countries out there doing many different things. Why not look to see what works elsewhere? And and I don't know if you two can answer that for me. Not the two of you. I'm not talking about you two. But just in general, why why is America so so centric? Why do they think they're the only thing in the world? That's also by design. Uh, it's there's the indoctrination of America as the greatest nation on the face of this earth. Bullshit. You pledge allegiance every goddamn day in school like you have to stand for it you don't have to fucking do it or at least that's the way it was when i was a kid that's how it was for school for me you had to fucking pledge allegiance to the flag every day and the teachers didn't force it to say it but we had to at least stand for it and acknowledge the flag existed for that brief moment while everybody else said a pledge and the way our history is taught the reason that critical race theory is such a hot button issue is because the way things are taught right now um or at least again the way it was when i was a kid they not only whitewash a lot of history for what is going on in america it's literally as bad as the play that gary puts on for thanksgiving in adam's family values like that's literally how they try to teach that to you like even up into high school they try to diminish and ignore the fact that the genocide of the native peoples that were already here started the day white people's feet hit the soil from England. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There were Vikings that lived among them and settled there, but they kind of had a similar thing of share the land and all of that kind of stuff. And we're just now starting to find some stuff out about them, but it appears that they lived among the peoples that were there already. France here up in Canada, we have the Métis and a lot more. Well, and then England came and told the French they were doing it all wrong, too. And, <laughs> and started slaughtering the French that were yeah. already there yeah. and the native people. Right. Everyone was everyone was fair game. And I don't think the French were innocent. I am sure that there was some shit that happened there. But it was a much more comparably a collaborative coexistence in comparison. Um, 
the Hudson Bay Park Company is a good example of colonization at its finest in Canada. And the Bay still exists today as one of the biggest department stores. Um, but yeah, thank you for explaining that, Court, because it really, it really frustrates me on how centric Americans are. Not you two, of course, I'm not referring to you two and other people but that I know. But generally speaking, when I talk to people that ask me the dumbest shit about Canada that I've ever heard, like, are you fucking kidding me? You can't Google? Like, are you that ridiculous that you honestly think I have a fucking moose and an igloo in my backyard? It's fucking ridiculous. Like, you know, it is It is like this is fucking 2021 and you can't like or my favorite is like, oh, COVID, you know, all vaccines. I'm like, you realize that these vaccines are being given all over the world, not just in fucking America. Right. Like you understand that billions and billions and billions of people have got it. And in order for them to come to Canada, we have our own health agency that had to clear them, right? Oh, you did? Are you fucking kidding me? Like, it, I'm sorry to get so passionate. Now I'm angry like court. Court, we succeeded. I'm mad now too. Um, but I just, I find it just so frustrating that what you're saying, court, makes so much sense. And I'm like, why is no one, why is no one listening to him? Why is nobody... Or Darren, why is no one looking outside? And and you've given me a very clear explanation as to why. And it really is a shame. It's it's hard to say it um, when it's just Darren and I to say it the way that I'm saying it with you here. Because when I say it with Darren and I here, I feel like I'm being a conspiracy theory nutter. But saying it out loud and acknowledging that that's actually what it is. I mean, our American education system is just another tool of capitalist society. It's it's literally you. It's about showing up at certain times, being there on time, being mm -hmm. productive for a certain set hours of day and making sure that you can focus and do certain tasks. And the education pushes an agenda that this is the way that it should be. America is the absolute best. Granted, I was raised in the 80s when we were fighting communism, but I know for a fact it hasn't improved because I've seen some shit that my nieces and nephews and, you know, other family members <laughs> out yeah. there have brought home that they were taught some of the same bullshit and textbooks are very easy to check out. Uh, I think the great equalizer here and the thing that has really changed for, um, now Darren and I obviously did a lot of reading and when the internet became a thing, we obviously did a lot of reading on the internet too. But I mean, and as kids, it was books. You had to get books. You had to go to the library. You had to do things like that. And, all of, like our culture is so geared towards, oh, well, you're a fucking nerd. No, it's better to be a jock and kick ass and then become a soldier mm -hmm. and kick ass. Football. And then, yeah, football. Then, <laughs> yeah. And then become a politician and fucking sell out or whatever. You know, like that's like the, the trajectory is all like this is this is what's best is to just be the best product that you possibly can. Our, our schools are set up in such a manner to make us feel that way. And it's literally just to beat you down until you become a productive thing. Like creativity is not even a thing. The things they first cut are anything that makes you think for yourself, um, like like English programs, artistic expression for any kind of art programs, fucking band, anything that like can make you sort of feel like, hey, wait a minute, I don't want to do this other part of the grind. I want to sit here and play this trumpet all day. Like any of that kind of stuff is immediately pushed aside or ostracized or, or made to make, make you feel like this is less than, but anything that involves some kind of violence or contact or competition, which, Oh my God, does capitalism love competition because whatever's best is going to sell best. Right. And they push that shit on kids from the very start. That's, what's going to make you the coolest, or at least that's how that's always been in America from when I was a kid and before. Um, I, I can't speak to what it is like now, but what I'm kind of getting at is the, all of these kind of bullshit, 
it's really interesting to see this generation of kids that have taken the tools that are social media that are geared against them and turned it against these sort of things and like these spontaneous like protesting things that they'll do where they'll organize shit on like what what TikTok or whatever the fuck that they're, they're the kids are fucking doing with this shit. I just read about it as an old fucking man and go, back in my day, we would have burned that down. <laughs> we used to just like say WhatsApp, we said it on the playground. <laughs> yeah, if you wanted to encode secret messages, you had a decoder ring and that's how we liked it. <laughs> but like the thing that the thing that gives me hope and the thing that I really like is the, there are kids calling this shit out. I see posts on Twitter from like a kid in high school that's like, hey, check out my textbook and like shows a photo of like how ridiculous it is and talks about what's wrong. And kids know that the shit that they're being taught is fucking bullshit and they're being lied to. Like Darren and I were aware of it in as kids because we, we had this very tongue in cheek, like, oh, you can't trust adults. You can't trust this, you know, kind of like footing in punk rock. And we just kind of knew, like, yeah, well, obviously this is bullshit. It's been bullshit since fucking Joe Strummer wrote this goddamn song, and it hasn't changed and gotten any better. <laughs> you know, like, you you kind of have that against it. And, and and But, like, to actually be able to fact-check things and look at stuff in, like, look at stuff in the, on the actual internet and, like, actually, like, reference things. But to stay away from Wikipedia and know that you need to be able to cite your sources and get that kind of, value, like, valuable information, like kids are educating themselves now in ways and i love watching videos of kids challenging people that are supposed to be their their teachers and like basically like, like having this open dialogue and discussion and everybody automatically just talks about how these kids are so entitled and i'm like no what you have not recognized is a person who values themselves and that is not entitlement they are speaking their mind the reason why you want to talk about and degrade millennials and give them all this shit is because they are suffering in their own personal recession, depression era where the rest of us are doing just fine because we already have houses, but they can't afford it. And they're stuck in this endless loop because all of these systems of control have gotten so tight and so ridiculous. They are the first generation to be saddled with the worst of all of the pain. And that's why they're speaking up. And that's why they're so pissed off. And everybody talks about them being entitled. It's no, they are people who value themselves. That's all it is. Because the shit that they're going through, if I were going through that right now, I'd be fucking raging about it too. I'd be spreading some avocado on fucking toast and fucking chugging cold-pressed coffee laced with fucking acid and screaming at the top of my lungs. I would. I totally would. Mm -hmm. But I'm an old fucking man hollering about how I would have burned that down back in my day, sitting comfortably in a house that I'm slowly but surely paying for deep in debt because that's how it has to be to be American and well, fighting my way to keep my job and uh, definitely hoping that I can keep my health care. Yeah, house ownership isn't that much better up in Canada either. That's something that we definitely, that again, capitalism that we, we definitely have in common. But I think you make a point there about entitlement. And I think when we use the word entitlement, I think the people who call younger people entitled are incorrect in the label. I think if we say that those younger people are entitled in the sense that they believe they are entitled to more than life than what they've been giving, they're correct. They're correct not to just follow what's been told that you must to do this and you must do that and this will pay off because it's not. I find the people that are entitled the most are those for generational wealth and who have not had, who have, who the system has benefited. 
those are who, who is entitled. Um, Darren, you've been quiet. Cord and I are like super mad and like just agreeing with (laughs) each other and like adding on each other's points. And, but I don't know, do you have anything to add? Well, one of the things I think you were referring to in the eighties with the broadcasting court was the fairness doctrine, right? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. That one was a 1985, one of Reagan's campaign lawyers who he put in charge of the FCC argued that the fairness doctrine, which required people with broadcast licenses to put forward ideas of national interest and present them in from both angles or from multiple angles. Uh, he argued that that was a violation of free speech. So in 1987 was when the FCC abolished the fairness doctrine. And then also I wanted to add onto the why is America so American-centric? I, I think you uh, talked about that perfectly. And I, I would, yeah, it's just, it's capitalism. It's the money. It's America has a lot of money. I mean, what, the military budget is about $800 billion per year, and people are freaking out about uh, infrastructure projects that would cost about well, it won't even do this now. It's gotten even lower, but something that would cost $3 trillion over 10 years, saying that that is just ridiculous socialist capitalism, Marxism. Uh, but the America will spend hundreds of billions of dollars per year to military contractors who put money back into buying the politicians who will keep giving them more money. Uh, Joe Biden, I think, added $300 million more than Congress asked for in the military budget. And so uh, talking about workers' rights and all that other stuff, America is always battling against communism. And there's the Cold War. Oh. And during the Bolshevik <laughs> Revolution, they started working on rolling back workers' rights, workers' protections, because wanting to organize and other things like that were anti-American. So they got away with taking, getting rid of shit. And then in when the Cold War got going again, or I guess when it became more of the official Cold War, America put billions of dollars and numerous propaganda campaigns to make socialist or communist countries fail to prove that capitalism was better. And to, I mean, there are, yeah, there are still things, Heather, I don't know if you've ever seen any of them, but there are weekly, if not daily things of people going on the now deregulated news, sometimes paid for by health insurance companies and shit like that, talking about how horrible they they say that the Canadian healthcare system is compared to America and how much better it is. And they don't have to tell the truth. Yeah, the talking points are always ridiculous exaggerations, like you have to wait months for an x-ray when you break your arm and horse shit like that. Not true. And it is such propaganda <laughs> fucking it's... evil horse shit that they're selling. Like, I went in, so I, I can give so many examples, so many. My mom, I will give the most dramatic. My mom was diagnosed with breast cancer in February of 2020. Um, a pandemic hit. My mom was treated. By April, she was in for surgery, had her breast removed, continued to have radiation. My mom didn't pay a fucking dime 
Oh, $10 for parking. That money goes back to the hospital. So, you know, when I hear that bullshit come out, and I'm sorry, I'm going to get really angry, that bullshit fucking shit come out of Americans' mouths, you have no idea what you're talking about. Yes, there are probably places in remote parts of Canada because healthcare, even though regulated by the federal government, is controlled and run by provincial government. So the federal government has given each province the ability to decide what their healthcare needs are, where to develop the hospitals, you know, where they need doctors, where they need, you know, the most care, especially during COVID. Um, you know, higher populations required more COVID care. Well, we reverse that. We have our rural areas now are having struggles. So guess what our provincial government is doing? Sending more money and more support to rural communities. And I have never had to wait an unreasonable time for any x-ray. I have had life-saving surgery done twice within the day that it needed to be done. And I haven't paid a fucking dime. I have never walked out of the hospital and thought, gee, I really hope I can afford this bill that I had to pay. My friend has had two kids, babies and sick kids, up here in Hamilton. Didn't have to worry about her babies being okay. They're both 12 and 6 now and very healthy. And I am so sick to death of that fucking horseshit communism bullshit. And one last thing I'm going to say is I took a third year's Marxist course in sociology. And every day I'm on Facebook and I see people use Marxism and communism. I'm like, I really don't think you know what that word means. Right? <laughs> you keep using this word. I do not think you know what it means. Like, it does not mean what there, you think it means. There was one person particularly that I finally had enough with, and I won't give their name because they're a member of our community. And I finally was like, do you understand what that means? Like, what is your definition of that? And he gave it to me. I'm like, that makes no sense. That is, that's not correct. Stop using this word. But um, yeah, I really wish that Americans would take more than one or two anecdotal examples of delays because there are delays and depending where you live, stuff can happen. I absolutely will agree that there are surgeries that have been pushed back and there have been issues. I'm not trying to pretend like our healthcare system is perfect because it is not. There are faults within the system. But to give this generalized statement that it's horrible and you can't get help and you can't get support and you can't get surgeries is horseshit. It's complete horseshit. (laughs) It's told to the people daily, (laughs) weekly, monthly, yearly, endlessly. 24-hour news cycle on Fox News and other channels similar to it. It's integrated into the actual talking points of TV shows. For fuck's sakes, even... like, well, The Simpsons, they take shots at Teamsters and Union all the goddamn time. And throughout the series, they've done that. I mean, it's just it's pushed on people to think that, like, this type of thing for work is how it's supposed to be in every facet of our society. Because once everybody wakes up and realizes that their definition of freedom is actually just dumb in this nation, not what actually is freedom. Because, like, when you think of freedom, everybody thinks of being able to do whatever they want to do whenever they want to do. Okay, but in America, you need to keep a job. Otherwise, you can't get health care and or pay for things because if you can't pay for things, you don't get anything. And if you want to eat, you have to pay for it. You want to sleep, you got to have a place to do that at. You got to pay for it. So you have to give up 40 hours a week, if you're lucky, maybe less uh, of your freedom to make the money to get the things that you want. So now you get eight hours a day gone, at least if you're lucky 
and then you have 16 left in your day. Well, then you have various chores and other things that you got to do whenever you get home. But most of the time, most of us are too exhausted with dealing with people's horse shit that our evenings are wasted and we end up losing our free time of weekends, which is an invention to give us quote unquote rest. But really all it is is just so we can get the things done that we couldn't get done during the week because we're just exhausted from being forced to work. None of that sounds to me like I'm free. Because freedom to me is not also having to worry about if I'm going to be okay or not. Having a safety net, having something that I know will be there to help me out. And if that's my friends and family, that's great. But we could all be friends and family where we're all there to help each other out. That's not a bad thing. And if you're a fucking Christian, that's kind of part of the doctrine of your fucking faith. So saying that socialism goes against Christianity is fucking stupid, but let's, let's digress. So we're all going to take care of each other. We all share our resources. So let's say I don't want to work, but I want to create things. And I start making wonderful art and beautiful music and amazing movies, but everybody else is paying for it, but they get to have that stuff. I don't own it. It belongs to all of us because I made it because they helped me be supported and taken care of to be able to create it. And then we build things, but it belongs to everyone. We have facilities that belong to everyone. Oh, wait, you still want to own your own stuff because you want to be able to tell people where they can't go? Private property. Okay, you're allowed to own stuff. We can set that up. But everybody should be able to get it. And we're going to help everybody get this, this modicum, like a minimum, like a sort of like for everybody, like uh, in the universe, like a universal, like basic income, right? Like, well, we'll take care of their housing. We'll take we care of their health care. Yeah. Let's, let's make it to where everybody can be taken care of because we're all helping each other out. Again, if you're a fucking Christian, this is the doctrine of your fucking faith. And if you don't think it is, you are fooling yourself and justifying your racism or other homophobic views or something in using your faith to do it like a salad bar Christian. And you need to examine your goddamn faith. (laughs) We take care of everybody. That is the doctrine of your faith. So you cannot say that taking care of everybody is socialism and bad. Can I use salad bar Christian moving forward court? It's not mine. I don't own it. It belongs to all of us once it's said. (laughs) Excellent. I am totally using that. I want to bring up two policies that have changed in Ontario this year. And I do think it's pertinent to the discussion that we're having. So one thing, we talked about um, lobbying the government. And something that came up from our opposition parties, so we have a conservative leader, which is probably more of your democratic um, leader right now in the province of Ontario. And we didn't have guarantees paid days for COVID, Um, you know, sick, three guaranteed paid sick days. So as of April of this year, um, through our opposition government and through the creation of COVID, now every employer must provide three days of paid infectious disease emergency leave. So this may sound like not a big deal, but for places like Walmart, who the Canadian government is constantly fighting against to have, you know, fair treatment of their employees, it provides something. And just recently this week that was passed is we have a disconnecting from work policy. So all employers must have a written um, documentation and policy that employees can disconnect from work 
and will have their time to recruit, to recover, to enjoy, you know, their mental health, all that kind of stuff. And if an employer goes against it, an employee can take them to the employment board. And I can assure you from weighing in employment over the years, um, Employment Standard Act takes shit seriously in Ontario. They will investigate um, and they will fine if needed. Uh, they're not scared to do that. So those are two things that just recently came through in Ontario and both have been advocated for. So I just want to show that not perfect, not 100%. I think it should be more than three paid three days of paid leave, but it's something. You know, for me at my workplace, my workplace would give me unlimited paid leave. Like if I was sick, it wouldn't even be a question. You know, if it went on for longer than I think it is four months, I might have to go on employment insurance or disability leave through the government. But I work for a university, so they're going to be pretty generous. Um, but there's more and more policies, and I think it goes to speak as kind of what Court and, and Darren have said, if we choose to look to what could be better for everybody. You know, a disconnect from work policy is just saying work shouldn't run your life, and employers are not allowed to bully you into working hours of overtime. And there's laws and consequences for that. I've also just realized we have a domestic violence and, and sexual uh, violence leave, as well as a crime-related child disappearance leave, as well as a child death leave, as well as a critical illness leave, as well as a family caregiver leave, meaning that if you have to caregive for a family member or family responsibility leave if you're going through a divorce. I honestly didn't know until we did this on how many leaves we have that are paid. Employers have to pay. They have to pay for a certain period of time. And if you're gone for longer than that, then the government kicks in and they pay. And I think you should want the same in the United States if you don't. For all states, by the way, not just like one state, like everybody <laughs> should be given that. And well, that's, that's a perfect place to end it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Beat me to it. So, but I got so. I got what I wanted so far. I think. No, this has been fucking amazing. Everything that I was hoping it would be whenever I broached the subject after a very similar discussion that Heather and I had on like Facebook comments from a post that I did. So yeah, this is, this is way better than I was expecting it to be. This has been amazing. I hope it turns out as good as it felt. I'm so angry now, Court, I'm coming to see you and we're going to just like fuck shit up. It's time Court. <laughs> get those cigarettes ready. <laughs> this is, this is catharsis by the way, when I do this show with Darren, that's the main reason why I get so angry and I vent is it's, it's a totally catharsis. I feel amazing. And I'm going to go cuddle with my wife who just got home and just like try to focus in on the bright things in life right now and then get right back to the fight later on. <laughs> I love it. That was another awesome episode. I think we're going to say to be continued or I'm going to say it and trap you both into future commitments for this I'm ongoing down. conversation. I love Court. I feel like Court and you are the big time. So I'll be honest. I was like super excited to work with Court. Like Court's like, and you were up here. And I feel like I am slowly reaching your level of being podcasting and just having these conversations. So I'm so happy to be included. So thank you. I just want to state that I took notice of you right away, Heather. Like, Aww. I think the first thing I ever heard you on, I was like, my God, is she outspoken and strong? <laughs> I'm like, I got to listen to this person. You know, like I just, I could, I could hear it. And I just, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was in a review. Somebody did some kind of like a side joke, which may have been a Canadian joke and you just fucking tore into them. But like, we're still <laughs> super Canadian and like polite about it. And I'm like, fan. So, I mean, I mean, it's like I say, fuck you. And I give you a donut at the same time to try to make it not so bad. <laughs> joke on this fucking Timbit. Right. 
<laughs> yeah, right. Right, right. Like, I, I just, I, you know, I, I, I understand because there are plenty of podcasters out there where I have been the exact same, where I'm like, oh, my God, we have this guy in the house, you know, or, or we have this person in the house. I can't believe I got to speak with them or, or whatever. But, like, we're all just people, you know? Mm -hmm. Sure. And like, I, I'm, I'm just all verklempt and I can't really express like, you know, when, when I hear that sort of thing, that's so amazing because as you probably know from becoming a podcaster, getting any kind of feedback these days is null and void. So you're literally just shouting into a void and hoping for the best. And there's always people out there that feel like that about you. And you kind of get that indication that that's happening because you can see at least the number of times people have listened to you, but you're not sure if that's all just your mom. <laughs> just downloading it a lot <laughs> for sure although i know it's not mine because i have forbidden her from listening to anything i do podcasting wise i'm like it's not for you you will not <laughs> you're like not it. gonna like it <laughs> yeah my dad listens it. to this sometimes i don't think my mom knows what a podcast is <laughs> my co-host doesn't know what a podcast is still <laughs> He's dead to me. Do not bring him up on this shit. No, <laughs> I, I won't. Yeah, no, uh, but I, I do. I... <laughs> you know how I am about really shitty know. manners. That's all. That's all. <laughs> yeah. And he's he's definitely been bad to you. And I will keep talking shit about him on your show because I know he won't listen to it and it doesn't matter. <laughs> you have recently been on and plugged all your shit. But do you want to before you go away or? You yeah. Uh, easiest. Easiest place to find everything I've ever put out on the internet under the title of Cinema PsyOps is legionpodcast.com forward slash cinema dash PsyOps dash podcast. Bo changed it on me. I'm sorry. I updated everything, everybody out there, and I'm trying to remember. I'm on Twitter as court PsyOp uh, at underscore or at court underscore PsyOps there. Uh, cinema PsyOps court at gmail.com. If you want to like try and break me out of the echo chamber with your talking points that you learned on Fox News, you can email them to me there and I'll automatically <laughs> move you to my spam folder. <laughs> I'm on Facebook as court PsyOps. I'm on Instagram as at cinema underscore PsyOps where I meme the fuck out of the world because the memes belong to all of us. <laughs> Style of our creations. <laughs> My bad. Awesome. Awesome. Well, the, uh, hmm? I was just going to say the the term salad bar Christian, I actually learned from the Nazarene church I was dragged to as a kid. There was a pastor who used that term um, whenever uh, he would basically be tr trying to get at the congregation to feel guilty about not tithing. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I got to put $600,000 wow. in my wall like Joel Osteen. <laughs> I know I say I got to go, but then I keep cutting you short when you try and close the episode. So I'm a dick. It's, <laughs> no, it's, that's how we roll over here. Just like, Heather, you need to stop apologizing for getting passionate. This is the place oh, man. for that. I know. I just It just lit that fire of anger. God um, damn it. She's Canadian and she's sorry about it. Yeah, like I get mad at like, and then I'm just like, oh, but some Americans just don't know any better. Like it's like yelling at a puppy. <laughs> just don't know any different. Well, America truly is the big dumb pip puppy that just shit on your floor. <laughs> right? as, as a Canadian, we truly are. You know, Court, you're not 100 percent wrong with that statement at times, and not all of America, just it's parts of it. As a nation, yes, and Heather. Plug your shit, and we oh. will say goodbye. Cut this out. Now. 
Yeah, same with Court. You can find me on the Legion Podcast Network under Kill the Cast Banner. Uh, Scott Crawford and I do a show called The Friday Nightmares. Uh, we also have a video game podcast, which is completely opposite of everything we talked about here, that we will be bringing back for January. That is Controllers Up, Cards Down. Um, and yeah, please subscribe to the Legion Podcast Network. And if you're not a Patreon yet, what are you waiting for? Get on Patreon because these gentlemen have some badass shit on Patreon. Scotty and I do as well. And we'd love to have you on there. And video games can be very political. That, so, they can be. That's true. So there is that. But that was, thank you both of you for coming back and coming together. I am very happy with this. There's going to be very little editing. This will come out quickly unless life gets in the way. Uh, that was a psycho semantic cast. Don't let them take you to the second location. Uh, learn what fucking Marxism, socialism, communism are. Uh, read about what capitalism actually is. And I think some, some minds will be changed. I'm speaking mostly to the, uh, well, welcome new listeners, but also the random person that will check out why their favorite podcaster court or Heather is on this weird show that they've never heard of <laughs> uh, and duck and cover. Bye. Consumption. It's the new national pastime. Fuck baseball. It's consumption. The only true lasting American value that's left buying things, buying things, people spending money. They don't have on things they don't need money. They don't have on things they don't need so they can max out their credit cards and spend the rest of their lives paying 18% interest on something that costs 1250 and they didn't like it when they got it home anyway. Not too bright folks, not too fucking bright. But if you talk to one of them about this, if you isolate one of them, you sit them down rationally and you talk to them about the low IQs and the dumb behavior and the bad decisions, right away they start talking about education. That's the big answer to everything. Education. They say we need more money for education. We need more, more, more books, more teachers, more classrooms, more schools. Uh, we need more testing for the kids. You say to them, well, you know, we've tried all of that and the kids still can't pass the test. They say, oh, don't you worry about that. We're going to lower the passing grades. And that's what they do in a lot of these schools now. They lower the passing grades so more kids can pass. More kids pass, the school looks good, everybody's happy, the IQ of the country slips another two or three points, and pretty soon all you'll need to get into college is a fucking pencil. <laughs> Got a pencil? Get the fuck in there, it's physics. Then everyone wonders why 17 other countries graduate more scientists than we do. Education! Politicians know that word, they use it on you. Politicians have traditionally hidden behind three things. The flag, the Bible, and children. No child left behind. No child left behind. Oh, really? Well, it wasn't long ago you were talking about giving kids a head start. Head start, left behind. Someone's losing fucking ground here. <laughs> but there's a reason. There's a reason. There's a reason for this. There's a reason education sucks. And it's the same reason that it will never, ever, ever be fixed. It's never going to get any better. Don't look for it. Be happy with what you got. Because the owners of this country don't want that. I'm talking about the real owners now. The real owners, the big wealthy business interests that control things and make all the important decisions. Forget the politicians. The politicians are put there to give you the idea that you have freedom of choice. You don't. You have no choice. You have owners. They own you. They own everything. They own all the important land. They own and control the corporations. They've long since bought and paid for the Senate, the Congress, the state houses, the city halls. They got the judges in their back pockets. And they own all the big media companies, so they control just about all of the news and information you get to hear. They got you by the balls. They, they spend billions of dollars every year lobbying, lobbying to get what they want. 
Well, we know what they want. They want more for themselves and less for everybody else. But I'll tell you what they don't want. They don't want a population of citizens capable of critical thinking. They don't want well-informed, well-educated people capable of critical thinking. They're not interested in that. That doesn't help them. That's against their interest. That's right. They don't want people who are smart enough to sit around the kitchen table to figure out how badly they're getting fucked by a system that threw them overboard 30 fucking years ago. They don't want that. You know what they want? They want obedient workers. Obedient workers. People who are just smart enough to run the machines and do the paperwork and just dumb enough to passively accept all these increasingly shittier jobs with the lower pay, the longer hours, the reduced benefits, the end of overtime, and the vanishing pension that disappears the minute you go to collect it. And now they're coming for your social security money. They want your fucking retirement money. They want it back so they can give it to their criminal friends on Wall Street. And you know something? They'll get it. They'll get it all from you sooner or later because they own this fucking place. It's a big club and you ain't in it. You and I are not in the big club. And by the way, it's the same big club they use to beat you over the head with all day long when they tell you what to believe. All day long beating you over the head in their media telling you what to believe, what to think, and what to buy. The table is tilted, folks. The game is rigged. And nobody seems to notice. Nobody seems to care. Good, honest, hard-working people. White collar, blue collar, doesn't matter what color shirt you have on. Good, honest, hard-working people continue. These are people of modest means. Continue to elect these rich cocksuckers who don't give a fuck about them. They don't give a fuck about you. They don't give a fuck about you. They don't care about you at all. At all. At all. Man. You know? And nobody seems to notice, nobody seems to care. That's what the owners count on, the fact that Americans will probably remain willfully ignorant of the big red, white, and blue dick that's being jammed up their assholes every day. Because the owners of this country know the truth. It's called the American dream, because you have to be asleep to believe it. He did what we all must learn to do. You and you and you.